This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B. B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big-time show. It is a big-time show. Here we go, another edition of the Skate Pod. A bit early this week, Matt Kalman. It's a Wednesday release for us. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to those at Red River, our fine sponsor. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And, uh, yeah, and, and don't forget to subscribe, obviously, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio.com, EEI.com, wherever uh, you go. You can subscribe to, uh, subscribe to us, subscribe to some of the other EEI podcasts, but make sure you listen to ours first and then listen to uh, Lucy and Elaine talk about whatever they're going to talk about and uh, leave us some reviews, some five-star reviews. Nothing uh, gets me more pumped up than you know looking at some five-star reviews of my work. You know, it's It's even almost better than... The mentions on Twitter. And uh, let's get right to it. I mean, our next guest really legitimately needs zero introduction. He is uh, the godfather of WEI, and <laughs> he is the uh, architect of this podcast, which had different forms. Right, Dale? I mean, this was originally your baby, but we took it from you. or somebody... I got sick of doing it because yeah. you guys weren't helping me. So, <laughs> And I liked my name better, to be honest with you. Zero Pucks Given? Zero Pucks Given. Yeah, that was, uh, well, uh, we, uh, Calman nixed it. I, I gave it. Count the option. It made me think like no one gave a, no one gave a puck. <laughs> Let's get into uh, some of the big issues before we uh, air the grievances uh, and uh, give Dale some proper uh, book love. On the back end of this, Bergeron's status. He's going to miss the games this week. You two are as plugged in as anybody. Uh, is there more to this than uh, the average fan knows? Is this um, less concerning because they've got a little cushion and they, they have the ability to, to load manage a little bit? What's going on here, Dale? I mean, my... As far as I know right now, this is not more serious than it appears. I've seen some people talk about, oh, he needs to get surgery done and get it. I don't think that this is a surgical intervention type of injury. I do think they're being very careful. They've been very careful really since the start of training camp with him. Uh, you know, he's played a lot of hockey over the years and, and hard hockey, as you guys know. Every minute he's out there, it's against the best the other team has to offer. I think they just want to make sure. I, frankly, I was surprised they brought him back when they did. Well, that's just it. I. Is he? Are they just gonna always believe what he says? Or are they gonna? Act, maybe well, this you is, can't believe what he maybe says because he's always maybe gonna this say is maybe this is them finally taking the keys away from him because, yeah. like you said, not only has he played, but have you noticed that he played through an injury? I mean, they said he was uncomfortable in Toronto. Did you even notice anything wrong with him? No, of course not. Well, the four assist night the other night. Right, exactly. He's you know he's back checking like crazy. He's, he's always in the position still. Never takes a shift where you say, oh, why is so and so going in this place this time? It's like okay, if this is bothering him. Sit out. I mean, like you said, they built this. They built this cushion up. He's just too valuable at this point. If they think that rest can be the answer, yeah, I don't agree with this whole speculating about surgery. If if this was a surgical matter, they would have They'd taken have care of it already, in the summer. Yeah. 
They decided to go with the PRP shot. They decided to go with the rest. I mean, these these doctors aren't dummy. I think part of it is him. I think he's just too proud to say, you know, I'm going to shut it down. Well, we had your colleague Jack Edwards on uh, a couple of months ago, Dale. And yep, he was prescient. Season, that's he, for sure. he said his only concern was health, injuries, and, sure. and Bergeron. And I, my thing would be if if rest were an option, that didn't work this off season, right? They tried that, and it's it's going to nag him. You would think now throughout the year, what what's another couple weeks going to do? Well, it's it's a, it's a fair concern and fair criticism. Uh, to Matt's point, uh, he's always going to say he can play. I mean, we're talking about a guy who played through you know a broken rib and a punctured lung for God's sakes. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think that Bruce has been pretty careful this year, more careful than I can remember him being in the past. Uh, he's he's managed to do a decent job of keeping Chara's minutes a little lower than what they have been in the past. You know, he's trying to make sure that Krejci was healthy before they brought him back, and I think he just wants to make sure that if there's any chance that they can help Bergeron be better, uh, whether it's you know next week or next month or whenever it is, and I don't think it's going to be a month, by the way. I'm just saying whenever it is, do what you have to do. It could be a month, and you'd have no problem with that. I wouldn't. Whatever it is, it is. I mean, they, ha- they have this depth. I mean, yeah, if someone else goes down. And, you know, he, I think the, the, the first time they shut him down in the season when he missed the two games and Cassidy was asked about load management, and he said, you know, maybe it's something like that. I'm not going to really get into that now. And then Patrice Bergeron, oh, I'm going to deny it's load management. But there's nothing wrong with load management. When you're 34 and you play the way he plays and you're as good as you are and this team is as good as it is, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong at some point for Bruce Cassidy to go to Zdeno Trara and say, you know what, it's a back-to-back. We're playing Ottawa and somebody. Take a night off. There's, there's nothing wrong with that in the long run. If, even if it costs you a point or two, you're going to be in the playoffs. You need to be 100% healthy come May and June, and that's the important part. And they and have if, to understand that. They have to accept especially that. Especially if you can slip David Krejci in right. between Pasternak and Marchand, it's not exactly a huge step down. It's not as good. I'll, right. I'll freely admit that. They're pretty good together, but it isn't far off. Well, it, it may allow them to determine what kind of center depth they have. Now, we won't. Uh, Stanika may have played by the time this airs uh, Tuesday night in Montreal. Right. He's supposed to play centering the second line in place of Krejci. Interesting. I uh, mean, that's uh, at the morning skate Tuesday. That's where he was. Now, as you said, by the time this airs, we, we'll know this. Yeah. But it looks as though they were planning on him centering the second line. And Coyle's contract is, of course, up at the end of the year, right. so they have a decision to make they there. They keep him. <laughs> For, I mean, I, I love him in a Bruins uniform. Yep. Uh, I love I, I love everything about his game. He wants to play here. I think the Bruins love him. They, they've got to find a way to get that one done. Is, is he worth $5 million a year yes. as a third-line center? Yes. He is, but do they have the $5 million, the cap space? That's, that's the issue. That's a valid question, but is that's, he worth it? That's yes. the problem now. I mean, again, you're going to be – it's like it was a, it was our summer theme was David Backus and you're still going to have that on you this next summer. I'm looking I'm really looking forward to our shows every next summer talking about what they're going to do with David Backus's contract. But again, this that 6 million could go a long way to keeping Coyle and Krug and keeping this team the way it should be where you have this next layer of I mean Coyle should be part of this next core. The Krug Coyle, you know, McAvoy, Carlo core going forward. Yeah. I mean, I like Coyle Matt wanted to talk about overachieving and underachieving players to this point, and you're nitpicking on anybody on this team at this point. No, I think Jake oh, DeBrusque got... is underperformed. Okay, sure. well, there you go. I have no problem saying <laughs> that he's been a disappointment so far this year. I, I, yes, injuries plus production. Yeah. Right. But if you look at Coyle as a wing, if that was something you anticipated that maybe, okay, if you're going to sign him long term, he's got the flexibility to play both 
has he proven now he can only play center? No, 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 no. I, I, I have no issues with him on the right wing. Okay, it, I mean maybe the first game it might have looked a little awkward. I think we probably was getting used to it. I think by the by the second game or third game that he's done. I mean, remember now he's going back and forth every other night now, right? With the injuries, so we haven't really gotten a. Gotten I mean, he has, a flow he has four it. goals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not necessarily season. to me. He's not necessarily perfectly for perfectly fit for Krejci, but you know this this is the way the team is built right now, and especially with injuries, but. Uh, if he shoots the puck, he's fine no matter where which he plays. Which he doesn't. Right. Which Cam Neely told us. Exactly. And so if he just has to get that mentality, especially if he's going to play the wing. He can't be a facilitator. Um, at least this breaks him up from being with Danton Heinen, where they both pass the puck back and forth and don't want to shoot. So, you know, put the three, put the two of them out there with McAvoy, and no one's going to shoot. So. I do listen to you guys, and, uh, and you kind of agree, I think, with me. That Danton Heinen is underappreciated in this town. Oh, it's ridiculous. For what he can bring it's, and what he does for this team. It's not just underappreciated. It's it's outright like dislike and disdain on which Twitter. Ridiculous. Which is crazy. It's unbelievable that, you know, I, I always understand with the Tuka Rass thing, seven million dollars, people are always gonna look at that and By say, By the way, he's need... not exactly overpaid anymore exactly. at that position. And they're gonna say, Oh, you know, what did you get for seven million dollars? And of course we all know what they got. We don't have to go but the but more than Brobrovsky's why... gonna give you for ten. Well and maybe by the end of the season with him. Yeah. But Danton Hyden is making what, two point seven five? Why are you against this guy who plays with both wings, plays on top three lines, can penalty kill, power play? What is what? What do people have against him? I I don't even think it's him. I think it's the winger production, and he gets lumped in there. Yeah, they don't get a ton of production for as you mentioned. DeBrusque has been yeah. um, underachieving, and and every right wing they've t- tossed out there's been injured, including Richie now again and, and Senishin. So you need to other than Pasternak somebody to step up and deliver. I would say as far as guys that have impressed me, Bjork I didn't expect to yeah. stick, and he kind of has. Yeah. But again, you're, you're, Too, what, are, what are you counting on? So there? many, so many years. Well, and actually, Bjork's another guy who they, you know, he doesn't get the, the, nearly the same criticism that Heinen gets. But is it just because he's, you know, really in his first time? I mean, he's, he's not fast. really, he's not really lighting People it love up. The wheels. Oh, they, exactly. They, they, they like to see, see him flying, right? But um, with Bjork, it's like so many years of seeing these prospects say, "Oh, I'm going to go rededicate myself, and I'm going to come back stronger and better and more confident." And you always, and they never do, you know, Spooner or whoever. But this kid, totally different world. It's amazing. He actually went down there, said what he was, in, did what he said he was going to do, dominated down there. They couldn't keep him down for long, and now, I mean, they figured out with him to keep him on the left side, which is great. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Matt, who is your uh, disappointing Bruin through the first whatever? Yeah, quarter? it's probably between maybe DeBrusque and McAvoy. I think um, that's a good call. Too. And I'm not even looking at the McAvoy points. I look at him d- defending some nights, and I, and these people, again, on the Twitter, I should get off the damn Twitter, <laughs> that say Chara is holding McAvoy back. I mean, how many times is Charlie McAvoy out of position or, you know, well, they tried to they tried to help that when they, they pulled him away from right. Chara, and it was like, ooh, no, and we, we got to get him back with you know, Chara now. Next you know, he's like playing left wing. He's yeah. like down in the corner somewhere and giving up breakaways. I mean... No, I'm not. I'm not saying he's terrible. And again, when you say things like this, oh, you think he sucks? No, I'm, the point is he's still he's a young the next defenseman. franchise defenseman, here. and he's he is. right, but he's not right now. Right. And his defending needs a long lot of work. I mean, you watch him; he falls down. I don't know how many times he falls down, but I go to I go to squirt games on weekends, and I don't see as many people falling down as Charlie McAvoy does. And so there's a lot of learning there to go on. And it, the the good thing is the opposite of what people on Twitter say is that he has Chara there to help him out. And help with these matchups, and clearly the matchups are, are difficult. And you know, Bruce Cassidy said that. And, and he's and if if uh, I'd add to the surprising list, we've talked about disappointing. Yeah, 
because you just brought him up, surprising for me is Chara. I mean, if you look at the way Chara's playing this year, uh, he's second on the team in plus-minus now, I right. think, to Marchand. He's already got four goals four this goals year. Four goals is huge. Uh, you know, he's already you know, in double digits in points. Uh, he's back there logging you know, those, those tough penalty-killing minutes. Bruce has done a good job of keeping his overall minutes less than what they've been in the past. Right. He doesn't play like a 42-year-old right now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's always going to be some little miscues here and there with the puck, and but in, I think a couple of times, maybe in the last couple of weeks, he's gotten caught in the neutral zone a little flat-footed, but, you know, this happens to everybody, and the fact is, like you said, that you know, one-on-one, still nobody wants to face him. I saw some some poll, I don't remember which publication was, listed him as the number one guy they don't want to face in front of a net, you know, it's... The way it goes. Well, maybe he's got another year in him, or maybe five. I don't know. But at some point... I think he's got at least a year yeah. left. Well, that's good news <laughs> for them. But you keep hearing people say, or at least I, I've seen it written, that the future top pairing is McAvoy and Grizzly. And even, you know, Chara, uh, you know, Wiggy on your show, he was calling for that. You guys had McAvoy on, and he talked about his rapport, and he likes playing with Grizzly. We saw it a little bit, right? And then they, I didn't they like it together with what it. I saw in the short right. spurt we've seen. It didn't, it didn't yeah. do much for me. Yeah, and I mean, I like Grizzly, but for some reason, uh, you know, you look at the future, and I guess this gets into the Grizzly and Crude discussion, which has been uh, the rage here the last few weeks. What is Matt Grizzly? Because he was their choice to replace Krug in the power play, yet we saw him at the top pair, and I agree with you. He wasn't quite there yet, not to say he couldn't be there, but he's certainly not Chara. So it's a whole different world. Where are we heading in terms hmm. of the Bruins' future with top pair and, and with Krug? Well, theoretically, if you can get the contract figured out, you know, Krug and Carlo could be your top pair, for crying out loud. I mean, if you can get Krug signed. Grizzly got the point on the power play job primarily just because he's a left shot, and, and he was replacing a left shot. And rather than, you know, mess with the other four guys on the ice, let's get another left shot out there where Charlie's different, you know. And, and I, I like Matt Grizzly a lot. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a great shot. He, he can move really well. I know it's been a common refrain, some of the guys that I talk to, you know, can you have two defensemen, prime stays on your defensemen that size? Can you afford to have Krug and Grizzlick be, you know, two of your top four defensemen and be five foot nine? Right. And I don't know if you can do that. In this day and age, maybe you can, but it's a concern. Yeah, I mean, and then when you look at what they have in the pipeline with uh, Vakaninen, and and maybe even Zaboro. I mean, he's still a work in progress, but he's at least the bottom pair guy at some point here. You just you, it doesn't even it never mind the size. You just can't keep those two guys what they're going to want money wise and the role they play. Well, then you have a choice. Grizzly looked pretty good. I thought yeah. filling in for. Uh, I think his trade value has never been higher. Do it his or or <laughs> Krug's because certainly that's Grizzlix. the case for Tory. His trade value has never been higher, right? He's played unbelievable in the postseason. Yeah, I don't I, think I, there, I don't think there's a chance they'd move him, but I guess you got to make the decision. If you think that you've got a legitimate chance to to keep Tory Krug, if you don't, if you can't, if he's Mookie Betts yeah. and he's convinced he wants to go test free agency, Donnie will not hesitate to move. So you don't you don't believe in the DJ being being trademarked uh, own rental, keep him for the championship run. No, regardless. No, I do not. I do not want to see a guy of that caliber. He'd be great. You know, he's a very good player, and then walk for nothing. No, thank you. Yeah. I would, I mean, like I said, I would at this point, I would totally be in the market for trading Grizzly because I think when you're trading Krug, you're not going to get the value just based on the fact that he is going to be a free agent. He's a rental, and we see what the price is for rentals up to the deadline. It's not that great. Yeah, but if you're looking at a team that that's the missing, that's what they need. Let's say you have a borderline playoff team, a team that fits. Right, so and, and he's making what now? Five, 
seven five right now. Right. And so, he's going to make eight. So he's making five seven five now, and you're saying a team that would need him to like be the last piece. And I think he still has his new tr- no trade clause, but don't quote me on that. I have to, I keep meaning to look that. But so <laughs> which team that is a contending buyer at the deadline has something to br- can offer the Bruins that they don't want to that they're right. willing to part score, with on their own roster some kind. and fit him in now. I mean, I just don't know how that exists right now. I mean, so. Whereas Matt Grizzlick is a guy that's under team control, and we know he's going to get a raise next year as an RFA. But you, if you're if you're not uh, Kyle Dubas, you know how to like do restricted free agency and, and gradually boost them up, not give them <laughs> eleven million out of their first deal, and then you know create nonsense in Toronto. Say this, <laughs> and and I know we've talked about this in the past, but I've got to give credit where credit is due. And by the way, um, Krug has a modified no trade. Right. Okay. Uh, Donnie's done a remarkable job. In yeah. my opinion, with how he's handled the the cap and negotiations, he had a mess of epic proportions. He had to clean up sure. following Peter Shirelli. Yeah, and he's done a great just job. Like Cam told us, the, you know, the Lucci trade oh. started it all. And and you know, he has found a way to get these guys signed to deals. Which, quite honestly, after he gets them done, right? You know, we go, wow, Brandon, Brandon Carlo, and Charlie <laughs> McAvoy, and that's what it, it cost to keep them. Good job. So maybe he can do that with Tory Krug. Krug has certainly indicated right. his preference is to stay here. The question is, how big a haircut do you take? I, to I do will that? be shocked if Tory Krug leaves with the Bruins in pursuit of him. If for some reason the Bruins decided they didn't want to do it, I could see him leaving. But for as long as the team wants him, I think he's back. I mean, I've said that a million times. But on but this. on the open market, we would agree he's going to make. 50, 60, 70 million over seven, yeah. eight, nine years, right? Right. Yeah, I figure he's going to be an $8 million a year guy for long term. And here they want him for five years, probably, right? I mean, if they if all things were equal. Right. And what, $6 million a year? I mean, it, it is substantial money. I, I always go with also the, you know, the years to me at this point don't bother me because. What's what's the league going to look like in three, four, five years? What's the what's the cap situation going to be? You probably said that about Bacchus when they signed him a couple years well, ago. I mean, you know, you can make the argument that the Bacchus deal it it did some things that it needed oh. to get done. Look, we gave <laughs> we gave Don Sweeney a lot of credit for some of the things he's done. That's when he'd like to have back. Yeah, I, think. I mean, but initially the initial impact of it makes the point that they don't make the playoffs probably if they don't have him. His leadership and, and his performance. Well, they certainly felt they had a leadership void in, right. their, in their dressing room. They had leaders, but they had quiet leaders. Exactly. They had Patrice Bergeron and, and David Krejci. And, and you can't predict the guy's going to get dinged four times in three years. I don't yeah. care. You know, he's a hard-nosed player, and, yeah, they get hurt, but he, he's never really been hurt like this. I mean, this is, there's nothing you can control about that. Yeah. Well, uh, the two games that we've seen, Krug had the uh, end-to-end rush to win it. In, was fun. In <laughs> overtime. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Krejci a couple goals late, and the previous game was the Tuca save game, <laughs> uh, which is still, I mean, when you think about the season, that stands out as a highlight. And I don't know when to say he's overachieved based on the way he played the playoffs last year, but to me, I didn't know what to expect following up that run, and Rask has been every bit as good as you would have hoped for. Yeah, what's he done now? I think, he, I think he's moved into third in career save percentage in the right. history of the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, he passed Ken Dryden. Right. And Dryden, Dryden played a lot shorter career, right. too. So exactly. I haven't looked at the totals, but I know it's a lot fewer shots. I, I know what a polarizing figure he is for hockey fans in this town, and I understand that. Uh, I think he took his game to another level last spring in the playoffs, and I think he's at least maintained that this year, if not taken it one step further. And it, it, those fun little things that you do, the two save of the years, obviously, are Marc-Andre Fleury for Vegas against Toronto, and and the the Tuka save, 
I give Tuca the slight edge because Marc-Andre Fleury had an advantage. He got to use his catching glove for crying <laughs> right. out loud. Yeah, and saw the play in front of him. Yeah. Saw it sort of develop. Uh, and the crazy thing with Tuca is now they're playing him two out of every three already. It, it hasn't been a 50-50 split like we expected. Well, Halak came down sick, right? Well, Halak got sick, game, but even so if you take that of... one game out, it still wasn't. It's still not fifty-fifty. It's two to one right now. It's, so it's pretty amazing that he's not necessarily being sheltered the way we thought he would be and the way they were going to do it. And so that's a great sign too that he's able to handle the workload. To your point about about some of the fans, uh, when Bruce Cassidy announced that Halak was going to play the game in Montreal, Tuca was going to play the game in Ottawa, I immediately started getting oh the. The Montreal flew again <laughs> for Tuca. They completely ignore how he's played there for right. like the last five oh, years. So and no one, no one criticizes Halak for that. This, this will be the first time in like his whole career he's played against somebody he played for. He refuses to play against teams that he's played for for some dumb reason. And that even screwed them up a little bit last year when they were trying to do the rotation. I think a, a Montreal or a St. Louis game came up and they had to switch it around. <laughs> he won't play. So, you know, <laughs> no one complains about that. But they say, oh, Tuca's not going to play against Montreal. Well, you guys watch Tim Thomas on a nightly basis. I did not. Uh, who's the better Bruins goaltender all time? <laughs> oh, Tuca's been better for his career. Sure. I mean, Tim Thomas had, you know, the, the magical run. Ironically, two of the four playoff series that year, he was pretty pedestrian. He wasn't that great. And had a very good team in front of him, obviously. And he had a very good team in front yeah. of him. And then all of a sudden you got to the Tampa Bay series and then followed that with Vancouver, and he became extraterrestrial all of a sudden. That's when the legend of Tim Thomas was and made. And, of course, when they were they were talking about this the other night. I was reading something about 2011 seven-game series. and Oh, because with uh, Corey Schneider getting sent to the minors. So, that, right. so Larry Brooks wrote something about how it reminded him of the fact that Vigneault refused to go to Corey Schneider, even though he knew Luongo was going to get you know steamrolled in Boston, and it happened all the time. So you think of the goal support Tim Thomas got in that series in the in the three home games. I mean, they gave him like four goals in the first period in that game six. He didn't have a lot of pressure in those uh, in those home games. Now so don't that get me wrong; he, he of backstopped the Bruins right. to a cup. He will be a legend in this town forever because of that. If you can take away some of his political views. But given all of that, if you look at the body of work for their right. career, yeah. Tuka Rask has clearly been the better goaltender. See if he can get the title this year. Um, that would be helpful. The, boy, the division has helped in terms of unexpected things. I mean, everybody crumbling around themselves, of course, led by Mike Babcock and the Leafs. Uh, He'll probably end up in Calgary now, right? <laughs> oh, I, saw, I saw that you just informed us. Looks like number two to go is uh, Mr. Peters. Well, Bill Peters, uh, as we're recording this, Brad Treliving, the GM, said, you know, we're going to complete our investigation. He, he wasn't on the ice f- with the team for practice on, on Tuesday. He cannot stay mm. as a coach in the National Hockey League based on not just the accusations made by the player, Aliyu, but you've got two other players who were in the room who said, yep, that's what he said. Well, that ends it as far as I'm concerned. Now, they'll, they'll need a new head coach up there. Jeff Ward would actually be pretty good. He was the guy running practice on Tuesday when when Peters was not on the ice, Ward would be pretty good, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run at a guy like Mike Babcock. Mm. Oh, and th- those guys are connected, right? Peters yeah. and uh, Babcock. Were- Peters right. uh, was an assistant coach yeah. for Babcock in the uh, in the Blackhawks, and of course, uh, all, this came, all this came out because you know we're in Toronto. They're just stabbing Mike Babcock in the back, back incessantly, and so and then Aliu saw all these tweets about Babcock, and then said the tree, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and then. Brought this up. It's pretty amazing to hear. I, I, I mean, I don't know, Dale, what you think, but when I read about what Babcock did with 
Marner. With Mitch Marner. It's ridiculous. Now, at least in his case, I, we haven't heard from Peters yet. At least in Babcock's case, he said, look, I was wrong. Yeah. I shouldn't well, have done it. it. I, I think, apologized for it at the time. I think and, coaches, first of all, his only mistake. his only tell ma- people who don't know the story what right. he did to an 18-year-old kid. Right. Mitch he made Marner. Mitch Marner write a list of who the hardest working and or non-hardest working. hardest working right. to right. The, the least hard but, and working then, guy and on I, the team. Which I don't have a problem with. The, the mistake is if it's you reading, and Mitch Marner talking reading about Reading the it. list out is pretty. Then he goes to the team and says, here's what Mitch says. Here's the <laughs> list. I mean, it's just, you but can't do that. I think there's some things that stay behind closed doors that our coaches make mistakes when they're trying to do things, motivate things. They, they read books. They're listening to podcasts. They're trying to figure out the best way to press the right buttons, and I think every coach probably has something on their resume where they would say, gee, if somebody ever brought this up, I'd look pretty dumb. Mike Babcock wasn't this stupid two weeks ago. He wasn't this stupid last year. I mean, the the, the, the decision to like make this person the worst person on earth just because he didn't win enough hockey games with your precious Maple Leafs is outrageous. He does have a shelf life, though. Right. I mean, he does, and uh, somebody, I forget who it was, and, and somebody was making the... Uh, the, the comparison to Mike Keenan. I'm not going yeah, that far for poor Mike Nothing Babcock, compares to that. No. But he does have a shelf life. He does wear on teams. And right about the same time, though, the timing of the firing that uh, St. Louis last year made the change and yeah, brought please. it if, if, if that's what they think this is going to do for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the most absurd structured roster you'll ever see exactly. with a complete it's... disaster from a salary cap perspective. And when I, when I, when I watched the Blues last night, and you realize, yeah, it was great that they made the coaching change. It still took about six weeks for it to take because they and didn't, they were a much better. They didn't team turn around. They were the much better of the team firing than they and were. And most importantly, they had Ryan O'Reilly trying to get his feet wet in St. Louis. Obviously, was out of his sorts for whatever reason. And then the, the, the turnaround coincides not necessarily with the coaching change, but with Ryan O'Reilly getting his act together, giving them a second line, and being the player who ends up winning the Smythe, Right. So the, the Leafs don't have that. It is still amazing that the Bruins went as hard after Tavares as they did. Maybe not as surprising. He's a great player. But that was that was their – they felt they had a chance, right? They didn't sign him. Well, Krejci took all that in stride and is, is surging. He's I mean, the he guy you feel bad for Tavares, though. Right. I mean, he's Tavares. the one who works his ass off every night, plays the game the way it's supposed to be played, and no one else has any attention to detail he on that team. He looks over at Austin Matthews and goes, really? Right. Really? Night in, night out, as talented as you are? And you don't get more out of it than this. Right. But the Krejci point that you're making is valid, Ken. Yeah. I mean, he just takes everything in stride. Right. He's the most <laughs> level-headed. Some might say that, that that pulse rate doesn't get above 60. Right. But he just takes everything in stride. And yet and we talk about, going. you know, Chara being underappreciated or Tuca. But, I mean, David Krejci clearly is the most underappreciated. Well, because... especially when you consider he's the highest paid player right. on the team, which, you know, if you think about it, that's kind of hard to justify, given the yeah. other people. Except that you have at on the this time team. he signed that deal, he was the number one yep. center. I mean, he was that was the line. There wasn't. <coughs> I mean, the Bergeron, Recky, Martian line had a great game seven, but Krejci, Lucic, Horton. Yeah, that's the line that really got you through as far as you got. Yeah. Well, who's their biggest threat in the, in the division then? Is it uh, Florida as it sits currently? Tampa's won three in a row. Tampa's getting back in. Yeah, they're going to get back into it. They'll and... be better. Sheldon Keefe will will. Yeah. First of all, it'll be the breath of fresh air theory. You know, you get Babcock out of there and guys start to breathe a little bit, and uh, you know they'll get healthier. They'll be better. I don't think they're as good as the Bruins. Uh, I I think they're still a train wreck in their own end most nights. Offensively, I mean they can score. They'll they'll put goals up. Their goaltending is suspect with Frederick Anderson at times. Their defense is 
is unstructured. That's where Keefe's biggest impact will be, is I think he'll give them more defensive zone structure than sure. they've had. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think they're as good as Boston. Uh, Buffalo did exactly what I thought they'd do, get out of the gates like, like they've been shot out of a gun and then go, wait a minute. We don't, we don't have anybody but this guy, do we? And, and then all of a sudden. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to come a point, it's going to happen quickly, where the captain of the Buffalo Sabres is going to go to the ownership and say, this is all I got? Are you kidding me? I mean, he, we were thinking about it the other night when we were watching him. He's got to look around that room or around that, that bench and go, what do you expect out of me here? He already looks like a broken man half the time. <laughs> well... Some of that might be, you know, inherent in him also. I mean, you hear some things about him as a leader or as a, a guy. With, he's, he's no Patrice Bergeron, let's put it that no. way, when it comes to, you know, setting the, setting the example. And let's face it, uh, we've said on this show so many times that when the Bergeron-Chara example they set is never going to be matched. You're never going to have these two guys who can set such a tone. That, I mean, that's why they wear the letters, and that's what we're talking about, you know, different types of leadership, that why they would bring in a back is to kind of be a little louder because those guys – are the ultimate role models and don't necessarily have to say a lot. And, you know, the crazy thing actually, too, you bring up being the, the pulse, but we know that there have been stories about David Krejci getting a little riled up sometimes, and that's why he wears a letter even though you and see this guy. And when he does, it's like, whoa. Exactly. So that's He's like, yelling at me he here. Picks his right, he picks his right spots. And I'm sure there have been plenty of these right wings that have come through that have been like, wow. He's harder to play with than I thought because he really wants, he's demanding of where you're going to go and where you're going to get him the puck, and that's what makes him a great player and a guy who is going to go, when he does leave here, he's going to be so underappreciated. But, I mean, he's been here for so long. Talk about taking it for granted. Well, you two have uh, great chemistry has been displayed on this podcast. Uh, you two wrote a book together. We did. Uh, well, you know, Dale mentioned he's got a book signing coming up over uh, the holidays, yeah, correct? I don't know when this podcast comes out, but Saturday, yep. Saturday the yep. Good. 30th. So is that what they call it? Cyber Saturday or something? So oh, there you go. Small, small, small store I think Saturday. It is small. There you go. And, so. and that's why I think they invited me to come back up. Toadstool Bookstores, they have a new location. They've moved. They're in Nashua, New Hampshire. They actually have like three locations around New Hampshire. The Nashua location is brand new. Uh, they've invited me to come back up Saturday, which I'm thrilled to do. And the Bruins don't play, so you have no excuses to like, not go it, up it's there. It's like with the perfect uh, array of, of events here. Uh, I've I've enjoyed every one of these that I've done. Some, you know, when you go, when you get to go back to your hometown and sign books, and it's all your high school classmates and stuff. Uh, Brunswick's going to be hard for me to top, but uh, Toadstool was a blast, and I can't wait to go back there on Saturday. Well, you go to Matt's hometown in Long Island, or where we're, we're Staten <laughs> Island, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think they want to sign too many books no. down there. No. no. People, well, people not, not, I notice you don't take, yeah, take Matt on many signings, which is probably a good idea. <laughs> well, I, he, he did the first one. Yeah, I did the first few. You know, people people have their love for Dale. I don't need to get in their way. <laughs> they don't want to see me. They want to see Dale. I don't have much to do with the booking of them, to be honest with you. Uh, the publisher comes to me and says, hey, will you go here on that day? I'm, I'm not out there going, hey, excuse me, I have a book I'd like to sign in your store if you don't mind. Uh, so they come to me and say, "Will you go here or go there?" And God, I'll go anywhere. And the best endorsement of all, we know, last January when the Bruins had their midseason break, piggybacked on their All Star break, and Bruce Cassidy went to an island or a beach somewhere, yeah. and he read the book on the beach. So, oh, that's what he told me. He said, "Because wow. when I saw him when he came back, he he stopped me in the hallway. He says, "Hey, hey, I read your book." He said, "I took it to the beach, and I and he said I couldn't stop reading it." And that made me feel good because, you know, if you're sitting on the beach in Aruba, yeah. I might think of things to do other than read my book. 
but he did, and I was appreciative of it. That's awesome. It's called If These Walls Could Talk. They've got a whole series. Triumph mm-hmm. Books does these for all sports, most teams. Uh, and, and what they do is they ask a seasoned writer like Matt to pair up with somebody, usually a broadcaster, like Jerry Remy did the Red Sox one this summer with Nick Cafardo, uh, the late, great Nick Cafardo. And they pair up a couple of guys like that, and, and you try to tell stories about the organization. And it was fun. I had a blast doing it. I think, I think people who are huge fans of the, like, 09 to 13, 14 Bruins, the Sean Thornton, Andrew Farron stuff, that's really going to appeal to people. I think that's... Stuff that hasn't been told before. My favorite story in the book, which I will not tell you now, (laughs) has to do with Sean Thornton talking to Bill Guerin in the bowels of the building at the TD Garden in the aftermath of the Matt Cook incident and just saying, this is how this is going to go. I'll leave it at that. The rest of the story is pretty good. Would you two ever write a book together again? Uh, how's the relationship well, we now? Sh- well, if they'd won the cup, we would have probably been doing a sequel. Uh, we epilogue. probably would have already been uh, <laughs> writing a book. Uh, I and I mean, think I, I think if if they win the cup this year, we'll be doing that because it's Ooh. not it's still not that far off. They'll they'll want to follow up on that and freshen that up. I, I it was a bucket list thing for me to write a book anyway. I'd always wanted to do it, uh, so I had a blast. Given the opportunity, Triumph came to me and said, "Hey, would you like to write a book?" And I never thought I'd ever get a chance. Uh, so the answer is yes. I would love to write another book at some point. We have a new morning show here uh, that, that we try to talk. A How little, long do you say little new? Little hockey. Yeah, it's July. We're, what are we? Two, three months. I'd I give it to know. the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd love to get Dale's uh, review of the of the Greg Hill show. Your lead in and the hockey talk quotient. I try to push it. Greg likes the surface hockey talk. That's about as well, far as it goes. He, at least he knows the sport. Yeah, uh, which goes is, to pretty much every game. I'm not sure he there. watches the game. He's there he, all yeah. the time. I don't know how much he actually watches the game, but right. he's in the building. Right uh, now, there's such great places in the building. You don't have to be seeing the ice much to sit in some of those places. Uh, but it, I, I look. I love the show anyway. But I love the fact that there's at least a semblance of hockey talk on the program. Except when Wiggy's there, he just knows nothing. Well, yeah. <laughs> Zero about <laughs> the sport of hockey. Come nothing. Come on, he plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he plays at a very high level. He's got a 62-year-old goalkeeper in the beer league. You have to, you have to give Wiggy credit for, for what? Believing the things he says. He's not putting on an act. Well, he wait a minute. Wait it. a minute. So on the show yesterday, Wiggy's doing the show with us, and we're talking about the teams that have a chance to win in the National Football League. Mm. And Wiggy says, uh, you know, the, the the only teams who can win, he talks about Baltimore, and he talks about the Patriots, and, and, he, and I forget, he says the 49ers. An hour later, on the same show, he forgets that he said the 49ers had a chance to win. <laughs> we had to remind him that an hour ago you said they could, this hour you said they couldn't. He believes what he says, he just doesn't remember what it is most of the time. Well, I bring up the morning show, you had a famous rant on a previous edition of this podcast where you talked about the hockey talk quotient in town, mm. yeah. which I found captivating. At the time, the Bruins weren't the cup contender that they are. And, of course, the old morning show, we didn't talk hockey at all. But has it changed as you see it in the last couple of years? Do you hear more of it? Should there be more? Well, I mean, just if, if you look at, at you know, the quality of the, of the teams involved and, yeah. and the interest level, um, I, I don't keep track of these things. I know what yeah. I read. Uh, somebody said that the, the Bruins' numbers this year are up like 70% from what they were at the same time a year ago. It's hard to find those numbers. I, I'm surprised Nesson doesn't publish them somehow or get, get it out there. I can never find television numbers yeah, in the market. I, I think it was, was it, oh, it was, a, it was a Globe article, that I, a Matt Porter article, I think, that had that included in there, which was what I, I don't. 
go around nests and saying, hey, how are the ratings doing? doing? Yeah. But what I know is that the numbers are up. The interest level is up. Makes sense. You know the narrative in this town, and it started with my first on-air partner here who was convinced that nobody <laughs> wanted to talk hockey. No one cared because Eddie Andelman had a personal beef with Harry Sinden that went back 40 years, and he was never going to allow that to, to be overcome. He was wrong. He was dead wrong. But he had such a powerful voice in this town for so long that people bought it and believed it for a long time. Uh, I'm not going to suggest to anybody that the Bruins are right up there with the Patriots. They're not. We know you know, what steers the ship in this town. But if you think you can ignore the Bruins, which this station did for a long time, ignored them, mm-hmm. just completely flat out pretended they didn't exist, yep. I think you do that at your peril. And, uh, you know, I, hey, Wiggy helps. Some, for some odd reason, he helps. He's got a passion Obviously, for hockey. Obviously, I'm teasing yes, Wiggy yes. about uh, his, his hockey knowledge. He's got this idea, and, and I don't think he means it this way, but if, if Zdeno Chara starts the game on defense, he thinks he's the starting defenseman. <laughs> right. It's not like the quarterback on the Patriots, right. you know. It, they, they have three defense pairs. They rotate them through. Uh, sometimes they'll start the Chara pairing. Sometimes they'll start the, the Krug pairing. And for some reason, Wiggy's got it in his head that, you know, that means he's the starting defenseman yeah, for the team. Yeah, he got 60 out of 80 snaps in the game. Or yeah, something, something like uh, that. Something on those lines. Uh, anything you would like to get off your chest? Uh, your criticisms of me and Matt, we're, we're open <laughs> oh, to it. Oh, God, uh, yeah, tons, but I'll do that. No, I, I really don't. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the fact that you guys give this sport, this portal here, on this this podcast world, I'm convinced that Brad Fo does not give you the love that you deserve. Uh, quite honestly, I'm still waiting for our T-shirts yeah, at least. On oh, this Lord Hobo thing, I, I see a lot of podcasts mentioned. I don't see you guys. Yeah, he, he holds it the night much. of a Bruins Canadians game. Yeah, good call. Uh, <laughs> let, let's make sure that the guys can't be a part of it. Come on, Brad Fo, give these guys the love they deserve for crying out loud. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Yes. Uh, you've got very thick skin. <laughs> Some days we've poked at you uh, quite often in the morning, and uh, you're a great sport about it. We, I, I appreciate it. And it's been—I mean, I was thinking about this. It really has been like thirty-something years you've been on the air in Boston in some capacity. I, I, there's a—I have a newspaper right? clipping on the wall in the office, 1991, August the 13th. There's a Dale Arnold leaves WHDH. Is that correct for WEI? And that was my three year. Uh, that was after three years at HGH doing Patriots games, right? Uh, and then when this plate, when EEI opened the doors, we lost the contract to do the Patriots games, and it just coincidentally worked out for me that we opened the doors and I came over here. So it started in 88 is when I came to town to do Patriots and have managed to stay employed since then. Well, except for a little respite in there, but <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. We ignore that little respite. That it was so respite. short. It was yeah, a blink was, of the eye. I, yeah, sure. It was great. I I wanted to sell my house. It was it was good. It was you know unburdened me of that and all that stuff. Thanks for coming on in. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, Dan.